0: Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Fantasy Scouts podcast. Quick disclaimer, before the podcast starts to roll, uh, Chad had just woken up from a nap and we felt that the outtakes in this episode were too good to cut, so enjoy.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts episode number 9 here... Sorry, I fucked that up. I'm leaving that in. That's fine with me. (laughs) Shit! Fuck that up. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Fantasy Scouts podcast episode number nine coming at you on Wednesday, March seventh. I am your April host 7th. Chad Workman. Today is March seventh, nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> I told you I just got up from a nap. So.
0: What, are, what are we ta- What are we talking about today?
1: No. We're talking about uh, would you rather's rookies vs. vets edition. All right. This is the this is the one, Andrew. I can feel it. I gotcha. Feel it in my plums.
0: <laughs> feel it in my deep blue
1: plums.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the bl- a bluish hue.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts Podcast episode number 9 coming at you on April 7th. I am your host Chad Workman joined by Matt Nine, Andrew Woodruff and today we got Chance Hopkins on the show to discuss uh, some would you rather scenarios between rookies or veterans. Um, I want to remind you all to head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts and check out the, the consistent and constant content that we are putting out there for you, uh, but we have a fun show today where you're going to learn a little bit about some some of the rookies' values and where they're going and if we think they should be rightfully going there or if we would rather have some veterans going right around them, so let's get into it. My dog started licking my feet halfway through that, which made it not easy. <laughs> the be beginning fun. of
0: this podcast is going to oh, be amazing.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> March 7th, my dog is licking my foot. Oh, my Lord. Dear diary. Sorry, I'm off the rails
1: today. Um, <laughs> Let's do some would-you-rathers. We got some rookies and vets that are going near the same ADP, and so I want to throw some scenarios at you of which player you'd rather have and tell me why. So the first, we're going to start at the top, kind of with the top prospect uh, on offense. Jamar Chase is going as wide receiver 15 in Dynasty. Would you rather have Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, who's going as wide receiver 12, or Terry McLaurin, who's going as wide receiver 14. Matt, let's start with you. Who, uh, who would you rather have of this group?
0: Um, I would rather have Terry McLaurin of the three. I am of the belief and under the assumption that the Bengals are taking Jamar Chase at five. Jamar Chase and T. Higgins on the same team are going to be fantastic NFL duo in real life, but they're going to eat at each other's values. Uh, Tyler Boyd, I think, is ultimately might be the odd man out uh, of of the three. But regardless, I think they'll all still three be there. They'll all still be a featured part of the passing attack. So give me McLaurin, who, even with the addition of Curtis Samuel, is still the only true wide receiver because Curtis Samuel is more of this hybrid wide receiver running back, you know, just kind of utility weapon guy. So McLaurin still is the only real wide receiver. The Washington football has Fitzpatrick's going to push the ball down the field. It's going to get it to him. Uh, we got an extra game this year. Let's, let's, let's lock in 1200 yards and let's say seven to nine touchdowns.
3: Andrew, do you agree? Yeah. I'll say for most of my teams, if I'm looking to compete right away, uh, one, I'm not going Higgins. If he's going receiver 12, that's just way too high for what I think I'm going to get in return. But Terry McLaurin, We've seen that he can produce with bad quarterbacks. The dude finally has Ryan Fitzpatrick, which is honestly the best quarterback he's gotten so far, who loves to throw it and is willing to push it down the field and let Terry do his thing. We know he's super fantastic at getting any contested catch situation and making something out of it. Um, If you're looking to rebuild, though, I can see the temptation. Maybe let's go cheapest receiver on ADP and just swap over and get Jamar Chase. But with the mindset of I'm going to go in, go ahead, and compete for 2021. I'm all for Terry McLaurin at receiver 14.
2: Chance yeah, to build you- off of. Sorry, uh, to build off of Andrew, you know, I'm I'm kind of in the same mindset. If, if you're competing for 2021, or if this is redraft, you know, Terry McLaurin is the obvious way to go. Uh, I'm not 100% sold that Chase is going to go number five to Cincinnati. You know, I, I do believe that Cincinnati has to weigh all their options, and I think you know. Uh, Penesawel is probably the best and safest choice for him. I, I think that's the route they should go. And if they do go that route, I do believe Chase lands in Miami. Um, and if he does, you know, whether he lands in Cincinnati or Miami for Dynasty, if I'm not competing this year, you know, he's tied to Joe Burrow or Tua, who I'm a avid, you know, believer, and I'm I will continue to pound the table for Tua. But... You know, the uncertainty uh, at quarterback for McLaurin moving forward, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is, what, 39 years old? He's getting up there in age, and I know Tom Brady is probably 80 years old by now, but that man just, father time has nothing on Tom Brady, but father time will catch up to Fitzpatrick. And I'm just, if I'm not, like I said, competing this year, I'm not comfortable taking Terry McLaurin over Jamar Chase if both are on my draft board.
0: So, real quick, I want to address your point about the quarterback in Washington moving forward. So, it's a sensitive subject, but as our job as fantasy analysts, we have to address Deshaun Watson strictly from a fantasy perspective. Regard, uh, dismissing everything else, just putting it to the side. We have to identify what his worth is right now. So, I, I think with the recent Jets trade uh, that happened uh, with Sam Darnold to the Panthers, uh, I think that takes the Panthers out of the conversation, at least for 2021. Uh, I think Deshaun Watson does uh, uh, does not get traded in 21. I think we're looking at potentially more of an, a next off season, uh, assuming he gets his life off the field to cleaned up a little bit. Uh, but I, I, I think Washington has to enter the conversation ultimately again next off season is, is a suitor for Deshaun Watson. So even you're taking Terry McLaurin here over T Higgins, and Jamar Chase. Uh, I, I think there is, you know, I think the door is still cracked open a little bit on, on a potential Watson McLaurin uh, stack next year. So I'm not saying you need to be trading or drafting McLaurin under that assumption, but it is definitely a possibility at some point potentially.
2: Yeah, it's it's also a possibility that, you know, Miami's been a huge hot button trade rumor for Watson. Um, and like you said, I don't think Watson will be traded this year. Uh, if he is, it'll be before the trade deadline. I don't think it's going to be, you know, anytime before the season starts with everything off the field happening. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I totally understand where you're coming from. Washington moving forward, they can't rely on, you know, draft or anything like that. Like if Watson becomes available next year, Fitzpatrick signed a one-year contract, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. that they need to keep an open mind to Watson. And when it comes to assets, you know, Miami just traded back up to six. They traded down to... Was it 11 or 12? 12. They acquired future firsts, uh, a third. So they got more assets in the future, which makes me believe that, you know, if Tua doesn't progress like I believe he will, like a lot of people do believe he will, that they could also make a move for Watson, you know, before the trade deadline or next year, which is kind of also something that should be weighed in, but not necessarily taken full, you know, advantage of.
0: Right. And one other note about what Ron Riviera likes in Washington, he does not like young quarterbacks. He does not want to develop anybody. He wants a guy that's plug-and-play starter day one. So keep that in mind.
1: I am still dreaming of Deshaun Watson throwing passes to Terry McLaurin over here. Not ready to to stop dreaming about that combination. But clean sweep here. I'm going McLaurin as well for all of the reasons that you guys stated I too am surprised that Higgins is going as wide receiver twelve. That's probably where I. That's gross. Yeah, that's definitely where I draw the line. Yeah, that's it's absolutely disgusting. Well, repulsive. Where I draw the line,
2: and
0: um, I mean, like, just I, think about that for a moment. I, he's the twelfth best wide receiver in fantasy as of today, according to people drafting. That's ridiculous. I mean, he, he didn't even finish I mean, in the top thirty last year. And now, right, and now you're projecting sense. him to finish as a wide receiver one, with the possibility of bringing on somebody else. You're projecting as a wide receiver one. That makes no sense to me.
1: I think a lot of people are asleep. Well, for one, it's you know maybe they're not counting on that immediate production. A lot of guys draft in dynasty, which surprises me. A lot of guys draft for a few years down the road, and I'm always trying to win today, tomorrow, next year, the year after. I mean, I'm trying to win from here on out. And I think a lot of people are also sleeping on the possibility that the Bengals are going to take Jamar Chase or one of these top pass catchers. But um, even in the event that it doesn't, that they don't draft Chase, it's still a little bit too rich for me. Um, So, yeah, I'm going McLaurin here um, as well. I think this next one is a little little bit tougher. I'll tell you, actually, that... I'm going with the rookie on this one. Devontae Smith going as wide receiver 23. Kenny Galladay going as wide receiver 25. I think Galladay, maybe a slight downgrade heading to the Giants. I'm not as high on Danny Dimes as others. I think Devontae Smith is really good. What do you think, Andrew? Who are you taking here?
3: See, so the big question comes down to where do we think Smith's going? Like, personally for me, I really think... I think the Falcons are going to move back, and so I think that's going to leave Chase to go at five and Smith go to six at Miami. That's what I think. Um, I'm about to say, like, that's, that's just where I'm at right now with it. Uh, Smith doesn't go there, uh, the most popular landing spot I'm seeing is the Giants themselves. And so it, it could be a situation of, well, who's receiver one for the Giants? And especially if it leans in that boat, I'm personally going with the vet, Kenny Galladay, because I think... I think he's going to be the true number one. Daniel Jones is going to need somebody to trust and go to. I don't think Evan Ingram is going to be your guy in the middle of the field. I don't. I know Saquon's going to be back. I know he's going to be a good check down option. But when it comes to getting down the field, I think Allday's going to get a, a massive, massive ton of targets. And he's going to convert it and be useful. Way higher than receiver 25 where he's currently going. Smith? Like, nothing against the talent. I've seen the talent. I believe it's there. I believe he could have came out last year. So I'm not worried about the whole fourth-year guy coming back in and then producing. But I will say, like, that is a concern, seeing the track record of guys, his size, his year production, finally getting a chance going around one, round two, just the success rate going back. I think they said all the way back in the 2010, looking for guys that actually have hit. It's small. And he's, he's just such a different receiver. I'm probably going to go lean with the prototype, Kenny Galladay, and then I can always go back and trade in because I have a feeling he's not going to blow up week one if I decide I'm going to go rebuild this team because I had an injury maybe to, like, Dak Prescott or somebody going back to, like, last year, for example.
1: What do you think, Chance? Do you agree with him?
3: Yeah, you know, this
2: one's a lot more difficult for me uh, than the previous one is. Um, I – believe, like Andrew said, I believe in the film, I believe in the skill. I mean, Devontae Smith is arguably, and I, I don't really think it's arguable, I, the greatest wide receiver in college history. He's the most decorated, you know, Heisman winner, and I just, Nick Saban will hate me for this, but I have to agree to where landing spot is extremely important for Devontae Smith. I I believe the connection with Tua, if he does land in Miami, uh, you know, his his ability to separate just being an overall an amazing receiver, something that, you know, Miami needs. I they got Will Fuller to stretch the field, but you know, Devontae kinda plays a lot bigger than what he is. So he kinda is that, you know, jack of all trades receiver. I guess that's kind of the wrong term, but I you guys probably get where I'm getting at with that. Isn't just a speedster, but isn't like a big bodied receiver. He's kinda like a hybrid, even though he's not really big bodied. Uh but Kenny Galladay, I mean I can't remember the exact stats, but Daniel Jones was one of the best deep ball passers in the NFL last year. He only had 11 touchdowns in 14 games, but he didn't, like you said, I mean, who did he have last year? He had a similar situation to Tua down in Miami, a terrible receiving core. Kenny Galladay is one of the best contested catchers in the NFL. And I believe, you know, you match up one of the best contested catchers up with the best deep ball passer. I just think Kenny Galladay, where he's going right now, is an absolute steal. So I, I would have to agree with Andrew and go Kenny G.
0: Yep. I'm going to go three for three on on, on Kenny Galladay here. Uh, For me, I I really like the vet over the rookie in this scenario. Uh, Kenny Galladay feels like one of the easiest calls this offseason, a little bit like Stephon Diggs last year, even though nobody really thought that. So the Bills gave up a first versus Stephon Diggs. I mean, you don't do that unless you're going to just pepper this guy with targets. Uh, the Giants just paid Kenny Galladay $75 million. You don't do that unless you're going to pepper this guy with targets. Um, He's going at wide receiver 25. I think he finishes around the 15-ish range, uh, plus or minus a couple spots. I like that for him. Uh, As Chance alluded to, uh, Kenny Galladay is one of the best contested ball uh, ball catchers in the league. Uh, And if I'm not mistaken, I believe Daniel Jones threw the most footballs into tight windows last year, which is something else Galladay really excels at. So Daniel Jones likes to throw into tight windows. Kenny Galladay catches all those balls that get thrown into tight windows. So I think they're kind of a match made in heaven. I think you get Saquon Barkley back, assuming he's healthy. Uh, Defenses won't be able to stack the boxes anymore like they did last year. Uh, They're going to have to respect Galladay. Fingers crossed John Ross can stay healthy because I wrote about this in my, my free agency fallout. Uh, John Ross is a very, very good football player. His only issue has been injuries, and I do believe he was overdrafted, though. It, I believe not. What was it nine overall? So if he can stay healthy, uh, he can seriously stretch the field with his speed, uh, and and you're going to have to pull somebody over to him because the DB won't be able to keep up with him, and then you got Galladay free on the other side, Barkley in the backfield, Ingram in the slot, or uh, what have you. You still have Sterling Shepard and... And Darius Slayton. So, I mean, this offense has a chance to be really explosive. And then I've also seen some mocks where Kyle Pitts falls to them. And if that happens, I mean, then good Lord. I mean, I don't know who who you defend. Pick and choose. So, definitely like Galladay. Um, I am under the assumption that Devontae Smith goes to Miami. But what 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 does he look like lined up against Will Fuller? Because they kind of have the same issue, you know. Devontae Smith is a very good route runner. He likes to go deep a lot. Uh, and I know Tua, you know... We're assuming there is a progression going into year two, but right now I feel like he's someone that has to see a guy come open um, and he's not very aggressive pushing the ball down the field. So hopefully that changes, um, but I just – I don't know. I, I'll take the vet here.
2: So just to kind of build off that – sorry, Chad, but uh, Tua actually, just like Daniel Jones, was a top five quarterback throwing into tight windows – last year so you yeah it doesn't necessarily need to see him open i think Matt. he does
0: <laughs> i think he does just and i'm just and i'm just going based off what we saw last year because you look at the two years at alabama he was always throwing to open guys and then last year we we always talked about how he held onto the ball too long he he didn't trust what he saw so he was so used to seeing guys come open, he didn't trust that last year. So I think you get Smith back in there this year, you just work with him with the off season. You know, there was that one clip I remember, I, maybe it was against Washington, I don't remember who they were playing, where Fitzpatrick was talking to him on the bench, he's like, dude, you got it, just throw it. You see it, just throw it. And I think that was part of the struggle last year, he just wasn't throwing it, he just didn't trust himself, so... If we, we, week one, I mean, if he has this guy that he always knows is open, you got Will Fuller that can stretch the field. Uh, I don't know who's playing underneath, Parker, uh, Devontae Parker, or something like that. Uh, if he just starts throwing, I think he's going to be fine.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think there's also a chance that the Dolphins draft Devontae Smith. Does that change any of your guys' outlook?
0: No. I'm still going to take the guys getting paid $75 million, who's the clear one.
3: Yep, same here. And I about to say, so I looked it up. I was I was trying to think back to it because, I mean, I saw it on Twitter, and so I got a credit to it. Uh, Matthew Friedman or at Matt F., the Oracle on Twitter, he puts a list together from 2011 to 2020. Uh, round one receivers that had four-plus years, so four or more years in college experience before they got declared and drafted. We've got Brennan Ayuk, seems like a good, good hit right there. Corey Davis, you can argue. Uh, Mike Williams, John Ross, Corey Coleman. Josh Doxon, Kevin White, Devontae Parker, Philip Dorsett, Tavon Austin, Justin Blackman, Michael Floyd, Kendall Wright, A.J. Jenkins. The list doesn't look that great. Now, I know there's a couple of years in there where it's just bad receiver classes, so everybody was not good in those classes. But the last guy we saw with that kind of situation to come out and produce a just a top 24 season, uh, somebody else, I can't remember who, put it out there. The last situation we saw that was Roddy White. Which is throwing it way back, so I'm just I'm not wanting to risk the outlier when I got the surefire, cheap option as a vet personally.
1: Yeah, and I, I, how many of how many of them won the Heisman, Andrew?
3: Oh, uh, yeah, probably zero. NFL does not
0: care about that.
3: I don't care about a trophy.
0: But again, again, um, again, you guys listening, you have to remember it's like we're looking at this as ADP right now. Devonte Smith is going at twenty three. Galladay's going at twenty five. I would be flabbergasted if Devontae Smith finishes as a top 24 receiver his rookie year. I would be blown away, whereas I think Kenny Galladay has a very good chance to finish close to wide receiver 15, and he's going for a high-end wide receiver three right
3: now.
1: Yeah, but are we not projecting out the long term? I mean, if I'm drafting a startup dynasty. To your windows.
3: To your windows, bud. Mm-hmm.
1: No, Yeah, no, I agree. I think Devontae Smith's upside is incredibly high. Mm-hmm. I don't love – like possession wide receivers on a bad offense. And I know the Giants maybe it's uh unfair to call them a bad offense. I know they're getting Saquon back. I just I don't know how many red zone opportunities they're gonna have and I don't I'm not as bullish on him with the Giants, I guess as you I
0: feel are. like we're gonna get that opportunity with Devante. We'll get like nine, ten weeks into the season and people are going to be really disappointed with the production he's put up, even though it's probably been okay. They're just it's not as much as the hype has built up to, and there's going to be a buy window there. And I would not hesitate trading a 22-1 wherever it is unless it's the 101 for him. And then you still took Galladay wherever you did in your startup, so then you end up with both ultimately.
1: That could be true. And I I drafted Galladay in a startup um, a few weeks back, so I like this price tag for him for sure, like, I just don't know. I I mean, that's kind of where I see him, though. I see him more as like a low-end two, honestly, more than I do like a high-end, maybe like a mid-two, a mid-two wide receiver two. Um, I just think like a year from now, I feel like Devontae Smith is going to be the more sought-after player, and I would rather...
0: It's possible.
2: Yeah, I I see that, but you know, like Matt alluded to, there's going to be a buy window for Devontae Smith during his rookie year. He's... There, there's going to be a slim chance that he will finish as a top 24, 25 wide receiver. Uh, if he does, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised, like Matt was saying. But you know, I, I'd be, I'd be wowed. But it, I, I'm. I mean, his. It's not something I'm not expecting. His ADP
0: suggests like, it right it. now that people think he's going to finish yeah. as a top 24 wide receiver, and I, I cannot get behind that right now. So the hype is out of control for Smith. That's why I think that buy window is going to be there, you know, come week 9 he's probably like wide receiver 40 or 38 or something like that. And then people are going to be like, "Oh, he's not producing those numbers that I drafted him at 104, or 106, whatever it was." So then you throw in, "I'll take him off your hands, give him 22-1 and and something else."
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a that's a very good point, and that's something fantasy managers need to be aware of. So Excellent point on that one. Um let's shift gears to the other Alabama wide receiver. Jalen Waddle is going as wide receiver thirty six and I actually really like this one. Would you rather have Jalen Waddle or Debo Samuel going as wide receiver thirty seven so they're going right next to each other. This one's really interesting. Let's start with you on this one chance.
2: yeah, I'm taking waddle. Oh five days a week, seven days a week, and eight times on Sunday. You know, whatever the saying is, I, at those, at that ADP, let, let's put it in perspective. If Waddle never broke his ankle, Devontae Smith does not win the Heisman. Devontae Smith does not become an undisputed 10, our top ten pick in the NFL draft. Jalen Waddle was outpacing Devontae Smith in targets, yards, and touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken, during those first few games that he was playing. Jalen Waddle is an absolute stud. And, you know, him breaking his ankle and not finishing out his last year at Alabama was probably the greatest thing that could have happened to him for, you know, fantasy football because now you're getting him at a discount. You're getting in mock drafts for rookies. I've seen him in the early second, which I think is absurd, and I will take that smash every time. And a wide receiver, what was it, 35, you said? 36. 36. 36, okay, right between two numbers, I guess. At wide receiver 36, that's absolutely something I'm willing to take a stab downfield.
0: Yeah, I am 100% behind you on this one. Of all of our comparisons here, I think this is the only rookie I'm going to pick. Uh, just because I have a hard time trusting rookies who have never played it down in the NFL before. And I don't even know where they're playing uh, because it doesn't matter where they're drafted. Anybody could be a bust. So, I But for ADP right here, give me Jalen Wilder over Debo. Uh, Debo is the third, maybe the fourth option in his own passing offense. I know he's a good football player again. His situation is like good for the 49ers. They have a stud football player, but his fantasy ceiling is very limited. As for Jalen Waddell, uh, right now, I think his projection is to get taken right behind Smith at seven to Detroit, uh, which would instantly make him the wide receiver one on his own team. Now, some hesitancy there with the golf playing quarterback. I think you're going to have a much longer and clearer by, by window for Waddle in that Lions offense uh, than you will potentially for Smith in the Dolphins offense. But Regardless, give me Waddle here all day long.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an easy choice to go for the rookie here because, I mean, we've seen the hype on Debo, but it's year three. He's now taken over by Kittle for sure. We, um, I believe most of us at this point have gotten behind the IU train and believe he's their number one receiver. And so if I want the number three option or a guy who's probably going to get top 12 draft capital minimum as well, uh, who has a potential chance especially if he goes to the Lions to be their receiver one yeah I want to shoot for that upside at this point because it, it just worries me we've seen Debo Samuel his talents fantastic but the is two years in a row like I'm starting to wonder like at what point does the team go nope we're not moving on with this guy we're going to stick with these two guys he's going to be just a rotational guy so we keep him healthy and when it comes to fantasy, I don't need a rotational guy. I need a guy who I believe is going to be on the field every single snap as possible, and is going to produce. And chance, I mean, you already hit it. Jalen Waddle was fantastic his past year, so I'm going to go with Receiver 36, the rookie.
0: I will say though that Waddle does not profile as your Alpha One receiver, so it wouldn't sh- it wouldn't shock me if somewhere down the road they got a much more physical guy to come in there and Waddle takes a little step back. But for where he's going and for 2021, I think he's a great, great spot.
2: See, and that's why I've seen a lot of mo- rookie mocks take or have the Giants take him, and I would, especially if the Giants take him, I would absolutely take Waddle at wide receiver thirty-six. I mean, I'm already absolutely, but like, it, it, if I could get any more absolute, it would be the Giants taking him over the Lions taking him at seven. It's
0: tough. I, I I see what you're saying. It's just tough to imagine that one he makes it there, and two they sign John Ross. I don't think that they're looking to mm. to, you know. Get Waddle. Forgot
2: about John Ross, not going to lie. <laughs> he's a little forgettable. That's,
1: yeah, he's, he's extremely forgettable. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Um, yeah, no, I, I guess I expected a little more love for Debo, but yet I completely agree with everything you guys said. We'll make it a clean sweep. Wow. A clean sweep. And I won't spend too much time making the points that you guys already did, but um, Waddle... Through the first four games of the Alabama season, he was outproducing Smith by about 100 yards. Same amount of touchdowns, but just shows the type of player that Waddle is. Um, maybe this one will get, get us a little closer to some of you guys. Uh, Rashad Bateman going as wide receiver 27 versus DJ Shark going as wide receiver 28. Matt, who do you like here? DJ
0: Shark. No questions. No questions asked. First, the projection, uh, I, I'm going off what has been talked about, what I've been seeing, what I've been reading and hearing. Uh, it could change depending on landing spot. But right now, Rashad Bateman is seems like he's either going to play for the Ravens or the Bears, and I don't like either one of those landing spots. Uh, if he goes to the Ravens, I don't care if he's the one. I don't care if he's a superior one. It, it makes a super alpha tier one. It makes no difference. Lamar Jackson's throwing the ball. He's not going to be able to hit him. Uh, and then Andy Dalton, who in every statistical category was worse than Mitchell Trubisky over the past three seasons. Also don't want him throwing, uh, catching balls from, from Andy Dalton. So I don't want Bateman DJ shark. On the other hand, there's been some talks and some trades. We'll see. Uh, but regardless, I don't think he's going to be there past this year. I think he's going to be free agent 2022. Uh, and he's going to sign with somebody as the one DJ shark is more athletic than Deandre Hopkins in almost every category. He's, I think I think he's a little bit taller. I definitely know he's faster. He's more agile. Now, DeAndre has been around a little bit longer. He's got much better hands, like un, un, unquestioned one of the best receivers in the league. But DJ Shark has that kind of ceiling. Like if, if he can get past these ankle injuries uh, and and get with a legitimate quarterback that's not named Gardner Minshew or Mike Glennon or Jake Lutton, uh, then, then he could really be somebody special. He, I mean, we saw him... What was it last year or a year before last? He was a wide receiver eight or seven through like the first 12, 13 weeks or something like that. And that was with Minshew. Now, he hurt his ankle and he missed like the last two weeks or something like that. So he ended up finishing, I don't remember what it was, wide receiver 16 or 17, uh, something like that. But he's shown he has the talent. And there were even, I remember specific highlights last year where... The, the guys that were calling the game after he caught a ball would be like, that looks a lot like DeAndre Hopkins. Like, they literally used DeAndre Hopkins as a comp for Shark in the game. So I'm taking Shark here at wide receiver 28
3: uh, over over Rashad Bateman. Hmm.
1: Andrew, you look like you're you're pondering.
3: I am. I'm sitting there pondering just because, I mean.
0: Now, I, I will two- say, if Bateman ends up in, like, Philadelphia – or something like that, then I think there's a there's a legitimate conversation to be had where I might change my mind
3: and see that's that's kind of what I'm looking at I'm like going through the list of potential guys that that places that could potentially reach out to them so you got the eagles at twelve, honestly, the cardinals at sixteen uh the dolphins at eighteen um just depending on what approach they want to go to you got the colts at twenty one If it's the Bears or the Ravens, yeah, it's an easy hands-down decision. Go DJ Chark. Even though, like you were saying, Matt, it does seem like he might not be with the team long-term. They might be moving forward with the Chenault and then Colin Johnson or whoever else they're picking up there. Not going to go down that rabbit hole. But if it's one of those two landing spots as far as with the Bears and the Ravens, I'm going to go with the Vet easy. But I see the temptation depending on landing spot here. But just with – Everything is unknown. I'm going to go with the talent that we've seen from Shark before. I believe he has it. There's not many places I think he would be traded to that would lower his value from where it is already. And I think he can end up returning what you want What, what if right he, now. What if he goes to Tennessee? Because they 100% would make that move
0: because cause they let Corey Davis walk. And I, I would hate that spot too because of A.J. Brown is already there.
3: You're talking about Bateman or Shark Bateman. to Tennessee? Bateman.
0: If the Titans if the Titans take him at what are they picking? Twenty two.
3: Yeah, twenty two. I wouldn't hate it, honestly. Uh if it was Bateman there, I mean we got him locked in as receiver two, obviously, but Tannehill does good on the play action. So I mean I think he could have similar production if not beat Shark if he lands in a good situation like that. So you but again so at at wide receiver twenty seven, you think
0: Bateman meets that criteria in Tennessee and A. J. Brown still finishes as a top five guy?
3: I would say that. Wow. Well, think about it. Johnny Smith's not there. I mean, who is the next best guy? Because it's not Derrick Henry going to get all the passes. We know that.
1: They did sign Josh Reynolds. I'm not oh, saying. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. But hey, Reynolds
2: is an actually good football player, let's be honest.
3: He's a good rotation he, he
2: played Yes, whenever his number was called, he did produce
3: 90% of the time. But, I mean, t- where do you got Tannehill in your rankings? Most people seem to have him top 12. You talking to me so me? Sure anybody I think I have him
0: at twelve or or eleven. He's right there.
2: So I I he, well, it's because there's it's there's there's
0: 12. rushing upside to go with him.
3: What did Corey da- yeah. what did Corey Davis finish last year? Top twenty five, I think. I legit think that. I, I can look it up real quick to confirm that. But let's let's just ponder that for a second. So you got a top twelve guy, you got a running back who's not a threat. You got AJ Brown that's gonna pull the number one coverage, and then what teams has he faced six out of those seventeen games next year? Houston, which is the train wreck, Jaguars, still rebuilding, Colts. I can't name the Colts secondary, but I think they got a couple pretty good guys, but they're gonna to shift to the number one threat. So I can see it. There's a world where I can see this happening. Alright, Davis, let's see what I got. Corey Davis last year finished top thirty. So he finished right at 30, actually, in 14 games. So he didn't even have a couple games where he didn't play. So it's going to be awfully close, but I think he could meet right where you paid for him. That's just me. Chance, Chad, what y'all think?
2: Yeah, I I like uh, Bateman to Tennessee, actually. I I don't think Derrick Henry is going to see another 370 carry season. I I just don't see how that's feasible. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, necessarily, because... He didn't see 200 yards until his third – or 200 carries until his third year into the – or into his career. Um, So he he still has a lot of life in him, but just back-to-back years of that many carries, I don't see it. I believe, you know, they might start passing a little bit more. Uh, It's not like Tannehill never passed. Uh, And when he did, like you said, you know, he's a top-12 quarterback. Uh, I I still think, though, even at – if he did land in Tennessee, part of me would still go Shark because, first off, I thought it was pronounced Chark. This is the first time I've heard anybody say shark, and everyone's saying shark, So that automatically makes it my wide receiver one in Dynasty uh, alone. No, but really, um, but Trevor Lawrence, you get Trevor well, Lawrence the, for years. The
1: benefit, Chance. I just got to interject the benefit, especially since um, you know, being a father, you can sing the,
2: the baby shark, shark. doo song anytime he scores a touchdown. So, well, okay. So, fun fact: when he did, or when he had a kid. He posted a picture of cleats on Instagram. I don't know if any of you follow him, I but do. the yep. cleats were baby shark cleats. Yep. And my son is actually literally Mickey Mouse and baby shark are the two things that my son would kill somebody for. Absolutely loves them. Um, and so I showed my son that, and he actually, like, freaked the hell out. So who finished his um, hire and um, their
0: respective ADP, Mickey Mouse or, D- or baby shark?
2: Oh, Mickey Mouse. 100%. Wow. Times, it's not a, Mickey, Mouse, Mickey Mouse is a 1.1 1. 1 to 1.12. He is every single first-round pick. <laughs> you could throw Goofy in there, too, if you want. My son will choose every Mickey Mouse character. I mean, this kid is literally – I should have just named him Mickey Mouse. Like, it's absurd. But, no, really, w- when it comes to a football perspective, you know, Trevor Lawrence for one year, like Matt was saying, he'll be a free agent. I think with Trevor Lawrence that one year, he's going to have such an amazing year that teams are going to seek him out to be, you know, their wide receiver one. So I just, I'm still going Shark here. Shark here.
1: Yeah, I think there's enough uncertainty around Bateman right now. The fear is great enough for him to go to Baltimore. That would keep me (laughs) off of it. And, man, I just, I just... I don't want...
0: There's around. also a very real chance Bateman does not get drafted in the first round. He could be an early second so round guy. I was
1: going to say. I think there are some targets like you know, even at the end of the first round like the Packers, um, if they do indeed go wide receiver in the, the first Chiefs. round...
0: Chiefs, they, they've, been, they've been... They've offered every free agent wide receiver.
1: Exactly. Um, Sammy Watkins. You know, and there's even early second, like the Eagles, like you mentioned, and you know, there are some there are some landing spots where I think I would probably lean towards Bateman, but part of the reason that we're doing this exercise right now is because, look, you have to understand that this rookie hype is kind of out of control, and mm-hmm. there needs to be a little bit of reality check to say, like, we don't know where these guys are going, and a lot of them, their value is going to come to a screeching halt. And so, you know, in a lot of these instances – the veteran is going to end up with a lot more value than these rookies if they go somewhere like Baltimore. But that being said, there are some landing spots for Bateman, and I, and I really like Bateman. I think he's – the interesting thing about him, or maybe the, the kind of benefit that he has over maybe some of these other guys, is in my eyes, in just watching the film and kind of evaluating him, he's pretty much NFL ready. Like, he does everything well. And I think he's one of those guys – kind of like T Higgins last year where like people weren't in love with Higgins with his you know landing spot and just not being I don't know the most exciting wide receiver but he just came in and just produced right away and I think we could see that from Bateman in the right landing spot but ultimately yeah getting Shark with Lawrence this year and then being a free agent and getting to to pick his spot next year um I'm probably leaning Shark there as well, let's get into the running backs now. Uh, this could turn into a battle between some of you guys. Uh, <laughs> Najee Harris going as the RB seventeen versus Clyde Edwards-Helaire going as RB sixteen. How are you taking your your Bama boy here, Chance, or are you going
2: Ceh? Uh, you know, I gotta find something real quick. And I, I got to see, I just took Najee in a startup and I got to see where I took him real quick. So I'm sorry for the delay. If someone else wants to speak first on this, they can, but there's, I, I'm just going to, I took him well before running back 16 or 17. Uh, I took him probably top 10 Najee. Um, God, it, it, that's probably my Alabama bias, but realistically Najee Harris is an absolute animal. And I know we talked about this on the last podcast. I was with the, uh, patron only podcast. We talked about Najee Harris being an amazing NFL running back, but not so great of a fantasy uh, running back. I I disagreed then. I still disagree. I I think his NFL success will translate to fantasy success. Um, I don't want to sell CEH short. I, I still believe in CEH. I've been buying him everywhere I can because a lot of people are still down on him. You know, you get drafted to the chiefs. Everyone expects you to be the second coming of, you know, Jesus. And, um, which which is unfair to rookies, but I just I I can't not take Najee Harris. Yeah, in our
0: fantasy scouts in our fighting. fantasy scouts startup, you took him at RB nine.
2: Where does yeah? That's what okay. Game?
0: That's 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 really steep for me. Yeah. <laughs> the the first
1: step? The first step is admitting you have a problem, and <laughs> we have actually created this podcast
0: JK Dobbins podcast. went in at RB10 and then I get Antonio Gibson at RB11 so yeah Money.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at the drop hole. I'm going
0: CEH here uh, over Najee uh, I'll be the first to admit that I, I'm, I'm leaning towards calling myself out I always said that the which they still might bring in some competition um, but uh, they let Damian Williams go uh, they re-signed Darrell Williams, who's a, good, who's a good backup. He's a good football player, but there's nothing more to that. Um, so CEH is a clear guy right now, and it's Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. What else do you need? Uh, if there is a question mark, it would be around the O-line. Uh, they did sign, what was it, David Andrews, was it? Or was it the other guy? Thuni. It was Thune. Thune. Um So uh, there are probably a couple couple more questions there than they need to address. Uh, 21 Class is really deep in alignment. I'm sure they'll take care of that. Uh, but I think Najee again, like we've discussed, I think he's very landing spot dependent. I think he's going to have a lot of big games like Derrick Henry, where he'll score, you know, three touchdowns and have 150 yards, and he'll be the RB one for the week. And I think he's going to have a lot of games where he's like 18 carries for 45 yards, and that's it. So I don't, I don't think we'll have the Najee will have the same consistency as Ceh. So I like Ceh to finish better than 16, and I actually like Najee probably a little. Closer to, to 20 than I do 17. But I still think they're both top 24 for sure.
3: Yeah, I about to so, say, I mean, this is the easy one. I mean, if you go check my personal rankings, CEH is still a top 12 back for me. Just because, like, I have I think I've got on this podcast now three times already. And this is podcast nine that I've already talked about. him, So let's make it a fourth time. CEH, we've got the coach. Andy Reid has a true history going back on it. I can pull the whole thread. Has a true history of normally wanting to use one guy. Well, the only guy we got there is CEH. I ain't too worried about that. Set it up to where he ended up having the second best rookie season ever under Andy Reid, who just doesn't use rookie backs a lot. Like, I understand the hype was just out of control last year when he was going the first round of a startup, including vets. Yeah, the, the hype was just too real. But he's going to finish a lot higher than running back 16, where he's currently at, or running back 17. So you've got you got that situation. You've got it set up to where they're in an explosive offense, so we know they're going to score points. You want running backs in explosive offenses. Not too often do we see a guy like Saquon Barkley, who is in a bad offense at the time when he came in, still produce very high. You want it set up in a good situation with a good offense. And the dude is going to be able to – he's versatile. We know he can catch and run the ball pretty well. So he's going to sit there and produce well. Najee, I just – I don't know where he's going. Like, there's so many different situations there that he could land poorly and not give you even what CEH is going to give you. Possibly, like you said, Matt, not even RB17. So, yeah, there's there's a good chance I would always lean I mean- CEH.
0: Let's think about this for a minute. Najee produced a lot for over the course of the last two, two and a half years at Alabama behind, what is it? Six top 60 picks, something like that over the course of the last two years. And let's say for purposes of discussion that he goes to Pittsburgh, which I think is a terrible landing spot, at least for 2021 for him. I know, I know he's better than Connor. I know he's better than Snell, and I know he's better than McFarlane, but at least McFarlane can get open in space. And he could, get, and he even couldn't do it. So I'm just saying, if you put Najee behind a bad O-line, how confident are you that he can actually create on his own and get free? Because he's not fast. We've talked about that. His longest career rush is like 53 yards. So anybody, I can track him down from behind. But I just don't know. He's so landing spot dependent for me because I just don't know if he's going to be able to to produce behind a bad O-line. Now, I know, you know, in this scenario, you know, I know the Steelers are trying to work on fixing the O-line and stuff like that. Maybe 2022 would be better. But, again, taking him at 17, or even if you're a crazy person and you take him at 9, I just <laughs> I, I just don't know if, if he's going to give you the consistency that you want. I'm sure we'll see flashes, but I just also feel like there's going to be just as many downs.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going CEH on this one, just based on, you know, no matter how you feel about Najee Harris, Andrew, you've been on CEH all offseason, and I've been fairly close behind, but, I mean, you've made all the points for me, I don't need to say a whole lot besides that I like CEH's chances to really explode this year. Um, Chance, did you have any last rebuttal you looked like you maybe wanted to say something or i don't know i if will you just double are...
2: down on taking Najee harris at rb9 you want to make I don't a think wager finishes oh. top 10 <laughs> i don't think he'll finish his top 10 are we are we saying like wager on top 10 or just wager on being higher than edwards Alaire at the end of the season because i won't bet on top 10 i don't think harris is going to be top 10 i will bet yeah. on him finishing higher than edwards Alaire.
0: sure I right, I I I, I don't there. I don't bet anything crazy, just ten dollars, just a little stake in the game. So I yeah I'll I'll say Edwards Lair finishes higher than Najee. All right, I'll say
3: Najee
2: our... finishes higher than Edwards
3: Lair. Done. Any conditions? Number of games played per game basis. What are we doing?
0: Well, I mean, if one of them gets hurt week two and they miss the rest of the season, I mean, obviously, I think injury dependent. So I I'd like I'd like them to be at least within two games. So we got seventeen games. Uh, I, If one plays nine and the other plays 11, I think that's fair. But it's once we get further apart than two games, then I think.
2: I like that. I think that's fair.
1: We have our very first live bet on air. And I, I tried to push one on Sam and Matt. But I don't know if that was last. We week. did. We
3: made that one off the air. Yeah, they'd already done that one.
1: But I think there was another one. But anyways, I'm excited to see a bad happen here. I'm going to keep a list because I want this to be a more regular. Let's appearance. do it. We need to uh, Ooh, I'm... start putting some skin in the game. Let's here. do it. All right, let's uh, let's move on to Javante Williams. I, uh, you know, I had a hard time because originally I wanted to to put uh, Joe Mixon as the the guy here to debate. Javante Williams is going RB24, Mixon is going RB21, and then I thought maybe David Montgomery is a better fit at RB22, so let's just do them all. Um, which one of the three do you want, and I guess who would be your second also? Uh, Matt, how, do you, how are you going after these guys?
2: Hmm.
0: I think I'm going to go Mixon is my one, and Williams is my two, and then Monty is my three. Uh, back when I was a young, a young noob in the fantasy game, I I made a bet with, with Andrew, uh, I forget what it was like 20 or $25 something like that. That either, either in 2020 or 2021, Joe Mixon would finish as a top three back. Uh, so I, I still have one more year on my side, but the chances of that are hmm, disappointing. Uh, but as far as RB 21 goes, I definitely like him to finish better than that. Um, he gets his old running back coach back, uh, the line. I mean, we could talk about burrow being protected, but the line also helps Joe Mixon tremendously as well. So I, I, I think, I think he's going to get used a lot more. Uh, then we switch over to Javante Williams. I like Javante Williams, the talent better than I do David Montgomery, even though I don't have a landing spot yet. Um, and then, and then with David Montgomery, you switch over to him, and it's like you have Andy Dalton and Alan Robinson. Who else is going to open that offense for you? Teams will be able to stack the box. They play in the NFC North, which is typically known for very good defenses with the Vikings and the Packers and the and not so much as the Lions. So we're going to leave them out. Um, but, yeah, I like mixing the finish better than 21. Uh, Javante Williams, landing spot defendant. 24 actually feels right about right. And uh, David Montgomery also – hmm. 22 feels high for me.
3: Yeah, yeah i say go. I'm pretty much behind uh, But I'll I'll jump on the David Montgomery part for a second and I'm sure Sam's going to listen to this later and I know that's a guy like he's saying everybody's down on but did we hear the recent news and it might not be so recent I might be behind uh, who the bears are now going to be letting call the plays again in 2021? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. When Montgomery broke out, it was because Matt Nagy decided to step back and let somebody else call the plays. And now Nagy's coming out and going, yeah, actually I'm going to call the plays again. So we've got a coach that I do not think should be calling the plays, an offense that I don't think is going to be ready, a tough schedule as far as his other division opponents, and then the fact that, like, Tariq Cohen is coming back and is going to have a role. Is he going to be successful at it? No. Probably not, but he's going to have a role just enough to keep Montgomery from shooting back up into the stars and finishing really high again. So I do prefer Mixon first. At RB21, in this comparison, I will double. I will actually go on Mixon. I'm okay with this. Um, Javante Williams, I'm very interested to see where he lands, but I think for an RB24 price, I mean, I feel like that's just going to be his floor right there. He's going to be very close to where Montgomery's going to be. So it's either take him with the unknown or with better upside or go for the vets. And I'm just going to lean the rookie there because I think it's going to land in a decent situation.
2: Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, there's really not much to be said that hasn't already been said. Joe Mixon's the most talented of the bunch. You know, the Bengals have the brightest future out of the bunch. I guess you can't really declare that for Javante Williams since we don't know what team he'll land on. But, since our Cincinnati, Chicago is another one of those teams where I'm just like Matt said. It there's Andy Dalton who's booty cheeks, and then you have Allen Robinson who's somehow amazing with all these terrible quarterbacks, and then there's nobody. I mean, I love Darnell Mooney, but like, can Andy Dalton realistically get him the ball? Like, will Andy Dalton realistically get him the ball? Our team, our defense is going to be, you know, afraid of Mooney. Are they really going to? put a lot of focus on them like they will A-Rob. I I just don't see defenses not stacking the box a lot more often now that – because at least Mitchell Trubisky, like, he wasn't awful. He wasn't great or anything, but he wasn't bad. He 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 brought the rushing
0: element that helped.
2: Exactly, exactly. And so it's just – there was a downgrade in quarterback play. You know, they they didn't make any splashing moves for any other skill positions. Tariq Cohen's going to be back. Their offensive line – who. I don't even know if they made any moves for their offensive line, but it's never been great. And then you have Cincinnati, who is going to make moves. You know, They'll continue to address the offensive line, whether it's at number five or in the second round. They will. Or third round. You know, whatever. I, I, just, I like Joe Mixon's upside. And on the fact that, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure Cincinnati was open to shopping Bernard. Were they not?
0: They still might. Yeah, st- he so still that, might that, get traded, that, yeah.
2: That they're still the Mixon high frame lives on. If
1: if they traded Bernard, I would definitely take Mixon in this scenario. I think the one thing that's always disappointed me, well, a few things, but he's definitely the most talented of this bunch, but also the fact that he hasn't caught quite enough passes. Um, I'm really torn on Mixon versus Javante Williams. I, I really like Javante Williams, the way he runs. I think he's a guy who can come in and really just hit the ground running um, in terms of NFL production and there are some nice landing spots I think you know if he lands in say Arizona I think, oh. I think that's a really nice fit for him mm-hmm. um, I think we're all on the same page with David Montgomery I was I think RB22 is I'm surprised that he was kind of sandwiched in between Mixon and Javante Williams because I would rather have either of them by a pretty significant margin but I am torn a little bit I think I would lean Javante Williams as it is today over Mixon. We've just seen the pass catching with Mixon has been a little disappointing. Um, you know, he's been banged up a lot, and it's just overall been a little disappointing. So I think I would lean Javante Williams, and like I said, with a number of great potential landing spots. Uh, let's move on to Travis Etienne, who is going as RB20 versus Austin Eckler. Who is going as RB eighteen? This one's interesting to me because a lot of there's a lot of differing opinions on Austin Eckler, and I'm curious to see where you guys land on these two. Andrew, uh, why don't we start with you? You going ETN or Austin Eckler?
3: Mm. See, so I don't know where ETN is going to go in the draft. I've seen anywhere from potential like first round pick to one of those teams that might have a second pick coming up later in the draft. Uh, For example, I've seen the Jets a lot. For some reason, taking Travis Etienne at 23. I don't know why I keep seeing that in mock drafts. Um, But just based off what I currently know, like, I think Etienne's a great player. I have him set up as my RB2 for this draft class. But I'm going to lean Eckler in this situation because I know the role he has. I believe in the offense. And, again, like I say with CEH, you want a good offense, you want a good quarterback. You want something where you're going to be the feature guy and he's definitely the most versatile running back they have that can do everything they need. And so I believe when it comes to PPR purposes, like I'm definitely leaning Eckler. Um, if you see a team where you think you're competing and going into a season, I don't blame you going ahead and getting Eckler for a little bit higher cost. But I could easily see it where ETN starts the season a little bit slow and you're like, crud, my team's not ready. I wouldn't mind going ahead and trading back, get that younger running back, because we know Eckler's probably got a two-year window left, and then he's probably not going to be mentioned in the top 20 running backs again after that. So I can see both sides, but I'm going to go Eckler just with the mindset of let's go get the championship this year. So
0: I'm going to take ETN based off what you literally just said, just the youth. I have no idea where he's going, but I'll take the youth and the – assumed longevity he's going to have versus the rest of Eckler's uh, career. Um, I've never understood the Eckler hype. He had one good season. I know he missed a handful of games, but, I mean, they even said it, what was it, two off-seasons ago when he signed his extension, that he came on a podcast and he specifically said that they told him he was not going to be a workhorse role and they weren't going to pay him like that. And he said, okay, where do I sign? And then people are treating him like, you know, like he's an RB five or top five guy, and I just I just never understood that. It's just, just it blows my mind. He has a lot of good games, um, but there's also a lot of games he just doesn't get the rushing work. Like you can go through his numbers, he doesn't get the ball out of the uh, carries uh, that often, but he does get a lot of passing work. So in PPR leagues, he's definitely a little bit more valuable. Um, yeah, it, it's just pretty straightforward for me. I don't I'm not a big Eckler guy. I don't know what it is. So I'll just take I'll take the rookie that's probably going to get drafted into a spot that they're going to want him to to produce day one, and he'll get the opportunity right away.
2: Oh yeah, this is this is a little difficult. Um, Eckler played what ten games? He saw sixty five targets over that stretch. Uh, when Eckler came back, Justin Herbert actually his performance, his yards and attempt, and stuff like that started to trend downwards because he started relying more so on Eckler than, he, you know, he needed to. Um, and that, that gives me hope for Eckler because you have that whole, I mean, he like Matt said, he has that receiving work. Not really great as a rusher. Uh, he's not going to be a workhorse. ETN could be. Uh, th- this is really a coin flip for me, but I think because of the youth, like Matt said, I will go ETN in this situation. But I, I still think Eckler's. I, I don't think you can go wrong with either one.
1: Yeah, and I think Eckler makes some sense here, even you know, given Etienne's youth, because Eckler will be 26, but a lot of these pass-catching backs' lifespan, I think, is a little bit longer than guys that are running between the tackles more often and taking a lot of these hits. Um, Eckler does a bit of both, which is nice, and he does... Catch a lot of passes. I I would lean Eckler here personally because of that, and I'm I may not be quite as high on ETN as uh, the fantasy football community is, and I just love Eckler's pass catching chops. Frankly, so in a PPR league, having that is truly just so valuable. Um, you don't have to worry. I like not having to worry as much in like a bad matchup, like. A pass catching running back that catches this many patches, cat passes is more matchup proof because it's not like oh they're facing, you know, this run defense. Historically they're not great against so and so on and so on. If he's catching, you know, ten passes a game, that really doesn't matter as much. So gimme give gimme give Eckler here. Um let's go on to our last um Rookie versus vet, would you rather here? We're going to go to tight end to everybody's favorite prospect, Kyle Pitts. Maybe not everybody's, but mine. Um, Going as tight end four, this is another one where I debated um, either going with Mark Andrews as tight end five or Darren Waller as tight end three. Which one to debate? Let's just do all three of them. Uh, Matt, who are you taking of this bunch?
0: Not Mark Andrews at all. I think the conversation is between Pitts and Waller. Um I saw a tweet man, I can't remember who it was, but somebody said, and I which I kind of agree with, is that Kyle Pitts is Darren Waller, except we don't have to wait the three or four years for the Darren Waller breakout. Kyle Pitts is going to be relevant day one. Um so I like that. Um I I'm gonna have to go with probably Pitts here. Um just based off athleticism, the where he's going to get drafted, uh, he's going to be on a team that's definitely going to feature him. Uh, I think again, we always talk about how tight ends are slow to break out. I don't think he's necessarily going to be "quote unquote" slow to break out, but I think we do need to temper our expectations to start with. Um, just know that he's going to get there. He's going to be a superstar. But you know, week one, if he doesn't drop eight for hundred and a touchdown, like you don't need to panic. Just you know, hold on for the long haul uh and then darren waller would be my two uh he's very good i don't like Derek Carr, so i'm probably gonna like wherever kyle pitts up and ends up and better um and then mark andrews would be my three of the group
2: Hmm. yeah i would i would take kyle pitts over everybody not named travis kelsey that includes george kittle for me um like you said chad he's your favorite prospect he I don't think people take it seriously enough when people say that he's a generational prospect. He is. If Darren Waller and Vernon Davis had a love child, it would be Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts Pitts is an absolute athletic freak. I mean, he is just just this last year alone. (laughs) Just last (laughs) year alone, he was. I'm sorry, I wasn't gonna laugh until you guys kept laughing. (laughs) Um, I absolutely hate the University of Florida. I, I've hated them for as long as I can remember, but Kyle Pitts was one of my fa- He pr- I probably enjoyed watching him more than I enjoyed watching Devontae Smith and Najee Harris, if we're being completely honest. I, I absolutely love uh, Kyle Pitts, and the great thing about me taking him over everyone named or not named Travis Kelsey is I don't have to take him over everybody not named Travis Kelsey because people are going to take Darren Waller. They're going to take George Kittle over him, so I don't have to reach that far, but I would if I have to. Uh, but like Matt said, I don't really think Mark Andrews is in the conversation. I like Mark Andrews, but I he does not match up at all compared to Kyle Pitts or Darren Waller for that matter. To me, mm.
3: see, so in this situation, that's where I'm actually worried because I mean we know how great tight Kyle Pitts is as a prospect, but I know we hadn't, I know we say we hadn't seen anybody like this guy in a while, but Noah Fant. Looked very similar as a prospect coming out. And he did well as a rookie, but he's not going to put up the type of season that Darren Waller just did.
0: Can I say something now that you said Noah Fant's name?
3: I know it. Go for it. So, <laughs> I gonna...
0: so Chance said Mark Andrews isn't in the conversation. Uh, I think there's a conversation between four tight ends right now. I think it's Travis Kelsey. I think it's Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, and Noah Fant. I think those are your top four premium tight ends that all need to be in the same sentence.
3: And see, I understand that logic because I've got fans. I can't remember if I got him tight end five tight end six, but I definitely, definitely very high on this guy as well. But I think I would go Waller because I know he's going to produce. I'm not too worried about the receiver situation. Even if they add a rookie, like it's, it's a very young receiver group in that offense right now for the Raiders. And I'm just hoping they find five linemen that can stand there and protect that offense anyway. So I think Waller's going to be dependent on a lot to get the ball and make something happen after the catch, which he does well. So I'm going to go Waller. I would probably go Pitts just because of the athletic freak nature of the prospect he is. And then Andrews I would probably actually put behind Fant at this point. So, see I think I think rough. Pitts is
0: gonna play like as a wide receiver three out of the slot a lot. That's why I think he's I'm just not I don't know if he's gonna line up at tight end. I just feel like he's gonna line up to, just to mismatch somebody.
1: Yeah, I see a lot of that happening as well, Matt. This is
0: uh Also depends on the staff, and... because like if he goes to Cincinnati at five, I don't exactly trust Zach Taylor. Or if he goes to somebody else, like if he ends up in Miami at six which is, I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, I would trust somebody like Brian Flores or something like that. So I think it's a, a lot of that, uh, how relevant he'll be right away is landing spot dependent.
1: Yeah, and I think we'll even see him line up out wide um, a decent bit. He actually reminds me a lot of Darren Waller, um, and this is a really tough one for me because, like I said, Pitts is my favorite. I'd, I'd probably lean him, but uh, I like... I like the Raiders' offense for Waller because it really runs through him, and I'm not sure Pitts is necessarily going to get that opportunity right out of the gate. Uh, so that's, yeah. I mean, man, it's tough. I like Waller a little bit more in the short term, but Pitts more in the long term. So, um, yeah. But I'm with you guys that Andrews is is not really in the equation here. Um, I want to get to one last thing before we head out of here. Uh, There was a trade. Uh, Sam Darnold is going from the New York Football Jets to the Carolina Panthers. Seems like a pretty good fit for him. How do you guys feel about this Panthers offense now? Uh, Matt, you look like you have something to say. But I'm, I'm a little bit intrigued by Darnold. I think he's an interesting... QB two kind of guy, but what about the rest of the offense and, and Darnold Matt, what do you think?
0: So Sam Darnold now plays for the Carolina Panthers and he moved in my dynasty rankings, zero spots. Sam Darnold has talent. He has, uh, let me, let me back up. Sam Darnold has right arm talent in the head. Not entirely sure it's there. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, this move is a, so what, who cares thing? I, uh, I, what was it? We, I I dropped this in in the chat earlier. Let me pull this up real quick. Comparing Sam Darnold last year to Teddy Bridgewater last year, now I don't think Bridgewater is that good of a quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater had uh, almost double the completion deep ball completion rate that Darnold did. He was had a higher completion rate under pressure. His adjusted yards per attempt was higher. His accuracy rating was higher. And his fantasy points per game was higher. So almost in every uh, statistical category we care about, Bridgewater was better than Darnold. And I think the difference is is that Carolina has a run game as to where the Jets didn't. So that's definitely going to help. But even though Adam Gase isn't that great of a head coach and we always talk about him being bad, if you go back and watch the tape last year, Gase actually schemed the wide receivers open a lot. And Darnold just didn't see him, or he overthrew him, or he didn't throw it. So I think that's my biggest issue. So I think Christian McCaffrey in the backfield is 100, 1,000% going to help Darnold. And maybe Darnold takes a step forward just to be somewhat more serviceable than he was for for the Jets. But as far as the values of Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, I think they stay the same as they were with last year. I don't think it hurts them, but I don't think it's like I'm rushing out to buy them just because they don't have Bridgewater and Darnold's the guy now.
2: I'm rushing out to buy them because people are going to be panicking and selling them. Okay. I, that's fair. I, we talked about this in the Twitter group chat. Yeah. We talked about this in the group, the Twitter group chat. There were some people who were saying, you know, I don't see their values going anywhere. Then there were some people, I, I think it might've been Andrew. I, I can't remember. That said, you know, they were expecting Carolina to Corey. draft plants, yeah. Fields. It was Okay. Corey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My apologies. Um, And so that's why people are like, oh, now they're running with Sam Darnold instead of one of those two. Might as well go trade him, get what I can for him. So I think now is the perfect opportunity to buy Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. Um, I I don't think it's a great window to buy Sam Darnold at all into quarterback super flex leagues just because he's in a much better situation than he was last year. I think the whole Jets organization, Joe Douglas is a joke of a GM. I think he's absolutely awful. And I think everything under him is going to continue to be a dumpster fire until he is completely removed. Um, But I, I just think Sam Darnold – so right now he's my QB 25 behind Jameis Winston and Jared Goff. I I need to move Jameis Winston up, honestly. I think Jared Goff really needs to move down. I can see – Sam Darnold probably becomes my QB 24, possibly my 23 vaulting Jameis Winston, given the fact that Taysom Hill is still in New Orleans and Sean Payne has some weird attraction to Taysom Hill for no reason whatsoever. But I I don't think this trade warrants enough of a jump in rankings for Darnold to actually really make a difference. I still haven't drafted him anywhere. If I have any more startups before this season, I still won't unless he somehow falls to me in like an absurd round to where it's just too good of a value to pass up and I have no other need on my team. But, yeah, nothing really changes for me. I mean, other than buying Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore from panicked buyers in my leagues who are scared because... Sam Darnold's in, and it's no longer going to be Trey Lance or Justin Fields.
0: I will say, though, they picked up his fifth-year option right away, so he's going to get at least two years. So if you own Sam Darnold, Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody's rushing to buy him from you, so you might as well just sit on it and hope for the best.
3: For those who do, they're going to be rewarded because Matt Rule has a very, very friendly offense for quarterbacks. I was saying it all last year, Tate Bridgewater was going to be a value where he was. And for the first part of the season, like, he was. He produced well. I believe he came out, ended up only with, like, 3,700 yards. But Matt Rule's offense has a history of it's going to be slow the first year. The second year, you're going to see that efficiency pick up, the touchdowns start getting there, which kind of falls in line. We saw CMC miss most of the season. I believe he was ready toward the end. But the team said, no, we're not risking this guy. We just paid you this much money. This season's loss. Let's put you to use in 2021 when we got a better – situation around it. So I believe Darnold's going to really benefit from CMC, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson, who we saw also can flourish when you get away from Adam Gase. And I know, Matt, you were comparing Teddy Bridgewater to Sam Darnold last year, but, like, that's almost, like, that. I just feel like that's the same as comparing Cam Newton to Patrick Mahomes situation. Like, it's completely different scenarios, and I know I'm going extremes here, but Sam Darnold's best weapon was who? Jamison Crowder for most of last year. He didn't have a run game. And then we know Teddy Bridgewater at least had Mike Davis and CMC who were usable, and he had two fantastic receivers who were doing pretty well for their situations. So, if Sam Darnold's a late twenties, I think he's going to hit into the teens. I think he's going to outproduce where he's going right now. Now, I don't know if his ceiling is going to be higher than quarterback fifteen because we know he's going to probably make some dumb mistakes like he like he does in the past, but. I think he's much closer to quarterback fifteen than he is quarterback twenty five personally, no. and I haven't had a chance to move stuff around, but I'm feeling pretty good about it. I situation. I will
0: never understand this. The fantasy community, not specifically you, Andrew, but as as a whole, court. is some weirdly obsessed with Sam Darnold as to where the NFL GMs and teams they're like this guy sucks. Like nobody wants him. He
1: has, he has really good arm talent, and I've seen people a lot smarter than me in terms of nfl like former you know coaches and new film reviews that just looking at the way that adam Gase not only called plays but just how he had things set up i think matt rule and joe brady is going to be just an infinite upgrade for a guy who is just uber talented now
0: i mean i will say obviously the offensive system is 100% going to be better he has better weapons around him so the assumption is he does do better, but I don't. I don't think that's something that we need to be betting on.
3: I mean, yeah, I don't asking price quarterback twenty five. I see the upside. I, I, don't, I have him at QB twenty six. I don't.
2: I don't see him at QB fifteen or closer to QB fifteen because if I were to move him over Winston and Goff to twenty three, I still have Derek Carr, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, and then Baker Mayfield at fifteen. I I just don't see him producing more than any of those quarterbacks. If he does, I wouldn't necessarily be, like, super surprised. I'd be surprised, but not like, oh, my God, how did this happen? Like, okay, yeah, he got in a better system that is more QB friendly. He got DJ Moore, who's an absolute stud. He got Robbie Anderson in a better system than when he had Robbie Anderson before, Christian McCaffrey. So it makes sense to expect better than QB 25. I just don't – I can't jump the gun on this one trade to, like – move him up in my rankings. You know, if I move him closer to Q B fifteen, it would have to be halfway through the actual season
0: I mean, I also think put him there. the NFL told us what they think of Darnold. Carson Wentz had one of the worst statistical seasons in NFL history and he fetched a third and probably a first. And Sam Sam,
3: to Sam
0: Darnold got a second of what a two of a four to six. And the two's not even in this class. It's the next class. So I mean, you tell me.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point, Matt, cuz I'm I'm a lot more optimistic on this move, but that is something that does stand out is the NFL seems to be a little lower on it. I think, you know, I have him at QB25. I think I'll probably move him up to like 20. I, I actually
0: each. think he's in the same situation as Carson Wentz, you know. If there was somebody to fix yeah. Wentz, it's Frank Reich. If it's not there, he's done. If if Sam Darnold cannot succeed, as Andrew said, in rules offense, that's probably it for him.
2: Yeah. Right. But I, like, I think circling back to the notes. whole I'm sorry, Andrew. I, I think circling back to the whole, you know, how what he fetched for a trade falls more so on Joe Douglas than it does Sam Darnold himself. Because no, I've doesn't. seen a lot of
0: Cause they, cause it, cause- Yeah, because if if they didn't if they didn't trade Sam Darnold, he was going to walk next offseason, they were going to get a third round comp pick. So the whole plan, the whole time was to get either a first or a second because at least then you get more value of what you would have by holding on to it because they were almost guaranteed a third.
2: That's fair. That's fair. So it, it, That's absolutely
0: So fair. Joe Douglas, even though he didn't get a first, he at least got more than what they what would have gotten for just keeping him on the team.
3: But, I mean, also, look yeah. so if they're loading up on picks next year, that could be to move up to get weapons for the new quarterback. It's well. the same
0: thing with Zach Wilson and the new staff. Like He has no reason not to exceed with how many assets they're about to bring in.
3: I still think yeah, they should
2: take I, Justin Fields, but
3: please don't. No, they, I won't want, I want him, him it, to the pass yeah, so bad. True. Yeah, <laughs> or the honors, any, anyone besides the Jets. I'm.
1: In, I'm interested to see. I. I really like Wilson as a prospect. You want to trade for him? The Jets even without Adam Gase. <laughs> right, the tough landing spot. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing to take away is, um, you know, no matter how you feel about Sam Darnold, is. Go get DJ Moore and possibly Robbie Anderson if people are panic selling. But that is going to do it for our show today. Uh, Remember to head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. We're pumping out a lot of great content leading up to the draft, a lot of rookie stuff. Um, But again, just a reminder that it is rookie hype season. Just be cautious. Uh, There are still a lot of very good veterans out there going Around the same ADP as these rookies. Uh, Chad. you for joining well, us.
3: About to say, I got one more thing. So, if, y'all, if any of our listeners will quickly just rewind and go back to my whole rant about Devontae Smith, me being wary, please do not fall for Kadarius Tony Heights because he falls in the exact same boat, <laughs> except for he is a much worse prospect overall. So, just go back, rewind, listen to it for like two minutes, and then remember that when you think about Kadarius Tony, do not overdraft this dude. Please.
1: Yeah, I think we can all get behind that yep. statement. All right, now
3: you next week.